Work it just a little bit. So it is really this way to build deeper, more intimate connections with people and honor them even in the ways that they can't necessarily express themselves. Welcome to the Reclaiming Purpose podcast with me, your girl, your hostess with the mostess, and the founder of You Are Into It, Dana Lisa. Join me weekly here for wisdom drops on all things intuition. My methodology is the D3 method, and it teaches you how to discover your own joy GPS and reclaim your intuition, then decondition old people-pleasing or analysis paralysis so that you can transform on a belief level in your unconscious mind, and lastly, how to take deliberate aligned action and find liberation and fulfillment in all aspects of your life, including relationships, love, money, and career. My process uses a blend of human design, neuro-linguistic programming, and my own intuitive gifts to help you in reclaiming purpose in your life. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to Reclaiming Purpose with me and also a very special guest of mine named Melanie on with me today. Melanie is a life and weight loss coach, and she is also one of my one-on-one clients, and I love her so much. I'm so excited for you guys to meet her, to get to know her. She's super incredible. Melanie, I'll let you introduce yourself a little bit. We'd love to know more about what you do, some of your favorite modalities and tools that you use, and how you facilitate transformation. Awesome. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's been so awesome working with you and So excited to be on the podcast. So I'm Melanie Schmoyce. I'm a um, life and weight loss coach, like you said. I primarily work with high performers. So typically my clients have like a big job or they're a performer. And what I help them do is find fulfillment outside of that performance or job. And I really help them kind of have an extraordinary personal life. And I typically do it one-on-one. I have some small coaching containers. And yeah, that's kind of my jam. I love that so much. And I love that you help high performers. I remember when we connected being like, that's such a cool niche. Like that's such a cool place to be of service because I never really thought about it, but there must be so much conditioning that you see that comes around being an athlete and being like the in competition all the time and like that winning mindset and being able to help people, like you said, have a really thriving personal life is amazing. So what's kind of your favorite part about that particular area that you are of service to people? Yeah, I just feel like for so many of my clients, it's sort of a missing link where they're just really working their bodies really hard and they've been exposed to a lot of, you know, mindset Um, ideas and concepts, but not really taking it inside to their body and really learning how to find fulfillment and satisfaction from within and not from some external achievement or even a goal. Like my clients are really hard on themselves when they don't achieve certain goals and Mm -hmm. just really learning how to come back home into the internal space and find that internal peace and calm. So I just love that because they really seem to, you know, just feel better and more fulfilled in their lives. Yeah, I love that a lot. And I can totally see how that would be an area that they would, would totally change everything for them. Like once they found that inner peace and that come back, coming back to their body, that's really amazing. 
So how did you get started in this industry? I would love to know a little bit of your backstory. <laughs> like what led you here? <laughs> ah, yeah. So it's an interesting story. My dad was really into self-development, self-improvement. Um, so there, I always grew up with Wayne Dyer books and Tony Robbins. And in fact, for my college graduation present, my dad bought me a Date with Destiny weekend with Tony. And it was like a lock-in in Baltimore. I was all by myself. And Whoa, so, that's so yeah. brave. That's so brave. Good for you. I did the fire walk and everything, oh my which gosh. was incredible. But I never thought that I could have a career from it. Like really, Tony, it just seemed like he was just so high-reaching. And I don't know, coaching really wasn't such a thing as it is now. Mm-hmm. So I went a very traditional route with school, went to college, um, undergrad in psychology and sociology, then went to grad school and did more counseling. I was always trying to, I think, feed this passion, but I was doing it in a very structured, kind of conditioned way. Mm -hmm. And it sort of um, missed the mark, like it was close. But looking back, I still think that I felt like there was something missing, but I really didn't know what that was. Mm-hmm. And then came a life coaching podcast. Mm-hmm. One of my clients actually had told me about it. And Dana it was one of the first times that I just felt so called when the coach announced uh, in-person training that like, I just, I had to do this. Like I was just really pulled towards it. Again, thinking at first it was just my own personal development, never thought I would actually make a career of it and have my own business. But looking back, it all makes sense now, given, you know, some of these untapped passions and desires that I had. So yeah, in 2016, um, I made the switch. What was a kind of a long switch from my counseling practice to becoming a full-time coach. But that's where it all started, was really just listening to a podcast and following my intuition, which I didn't even know what it was at the time. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, like, do you remember what that felt like? You described it as a pull, which I love so much. And for anybody listening, Melanie is a projector and she has a splenic inner authority. We've um, been working together a few months, so we've talked about different events that have happened where her intuition has really led her. And I always love hearing her describe those events because you're very articulate with words. And so I've had clients in the past with a splenic authority who have really struggled with kind of like knowing what that knowing feels like, because it's often described as an inner knowing. It's like, well, okay, cool. What does that inner knowing feel like, look like, sound like for you? So you said that was really strong. Like that one was a pull, like a physical pull. So that's really cool. Can you explain that a little more? Yeah. I mean, I remember just listening, her announcing it and it was immediate. It was like, I just knew I was going. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know the price point. I didn't know (laughs) how or when. I just knew it was going to happen. And it was a really strong, I wouldn't say an urge, but... (sighs) I just knew it was going to happen. It was like a really strong inner knowing. Not so much in my gut. I think I feel it more like in my chest or back area. It's just like this warm, confident feeling that I get that comes over me. But it's really intense. Warm, confident knowing. That's so good. And intense. Yeah, for sure. I think 
that's one of the coolest things about our intuition that I've noticed is a commonality is most people say it's intense. It's like it was pulling them or they knew, or they just felt this huge weight lifted off their shoulders. Or there was just like butterflies in their stomach, depending on people's inner authority and their unique energy. Everyone I've talked to has described its intensity. It's like they couldn't ignore it. There was a oftentimes a particular moment that was like the first time they really recognized it for themselves where it, they just literally could not ignore it. They had to act on it. They had to do something because it was so strong and intense. Yes. That's exactly what happened to me. Wow. That's amazing. And you talked a lot about like how you went to school for psychology, psychology, pardon me. (laughs) (laughs) And you obviously are really interested in the brain and science of the brain. So what are kind of some of your favorite tools or modalities or things that you like to do with clients that you notice has a lot of transformation for them in their life? Yeah. So the primary tool that I started teaching was, um, we call it thought work. It's more cognitive-based mindset tools to help people really see how their thoughts create their feeling states and then what happens when you know we're feeling certain ways, what actions we take or don't take, and ultimately the results that are created from that. Um, so strong on that, that was the mindset, the cognitive piece. I'm also certified in cognitive behavioral therapy, so it was very similar in that regard. But then I sort of also transitioned into doing some shadow integration work. Mm. And because I really felt like a lot of my clients and myself included were living in their heads and it really wasn't landing in their bodies. Mm-hmm. So I've been, this has been my recent quest to really start to explore more of the mind body connection and really the somatic experiences. And because I think a lot of my clients have done a lot of thought work, which is tremendous, but the body work is also so, so important. So primarily thought work and shadow integration, and hopefully with some of the tools I'm learning with you, once I embody those and really have a handle, bring those to my clients as well. I love that. You mentioned this transition, and you and I have talked about this because your brand is Mind Your Strength, and it's been really more focused on, like you said, that cognitive behavioral therapy, and you're transitioning. There's like this new kind of connection or iteration of your work that's starting to come through. So what kind of exciting things are you feeling really drawn to right now? Like what's happening right now for you? Yeah, I mean, I'm in the uh, stages of rebranding and really kind of getting excited to think about how do I add to mind your strength, whether it's going to be mind, body, soul strength, or um, I'm I'm still really kind of in the fun phase of creativity and figuring that out. Um, So stay tuned to see what the brand. (laughs) but, (laughs) (laughs) But as you know, I think, you know, my development, I just continue to expand and grow. And I think my brand's going to do that right along with me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, bringing that energetics in, I think is just going to be such a great compliment, especially to my athlete clients, again, who have been in their bodies a lot for physical strength, but not necessarily for their, you know, mental, emotional, spiritual strength. So yeah, that's where, you know, growth over a lifetime here. That's amazing. And obviously, like you said, you said it so perfectly. You evolve. And so, of course, your brand evolves. 
So what's some of the ways that spirit energy has come into your life for you recently that's kind of been the catalyst for that shift of wanting to bring it more into your brand as well? Yeah, so great question. I think for me, again, like once I started getting into my body, I was like, whoa, I started giving more shifts. Like I think the thought work was a gateway, mm -hmm. but now being in my body, I just feel like I've just had a lot more um, shifts and healing that's that's happened. Remind me your question. Yeah, no worries. So it's like, um, what do you feel like has been your your reason for wanting to bring that oh, spiritual right. part or that that energy part? Like, what kind of been, has been happening in your life? Because, like you said, yes. it's our brand is an evolution of us. So obviously recently this has been like a theme for you is that you've been moving into this mind, body, spirit connection that's been coming through for you. And now you're wanting to bring that into your brand. So what are some of the ways that that's shown up in your life for you? Yeah, I think it started with learning my human design, honestly. Yes. Because I think I really hustled and tried to fit into other people's for formats and modalities and business structures and being a projector, like I just don't have a lot of that sacral energy that other types do. Mm -hmm. So I always kind of felt like I was coming up short mm -hmm. and then beating myself up for that and comparing myself and feeling compare and despair. <laughs> when, I, when I learned about my projector um, design, that really sparked a whole new interest of like energetics and really just understanding where all of my energy was coming from and what was fueling that and my decision-making. And so I think that was the start of it. And then I found you and the intuition. So again, for me, that was a huge piece that I think shed a lot of light on, you know, where I was going and why I wasn't doing the things that I quote thought I should be doing. I really resonate with that. I'm a projector as well. And I remember when I discovered the kind of way that a projector's energy worked, I just realized how much I'd been trying to keep up with other people my whole life and how it yes. had really, yeah, been to my detriment. It's like, we're just not designed to be hustling or to be working as much as other people are when they're passion filled and aligned with their passion, like generators and manifesting generators, when they're in alignment with their passion, they have so much more energy than we do. And we're just a non-energy type. So it's like, we have to really honor the ebbs and the flows of our energy. And when you're growing up and you don't understand that, and you're like comparing yourself to all your friends. And then when you get into the workplace and you start comparing yourself to all your colleagues, and it's just like, I don't understand why I can't keep up. And it can become this like really self-deprecating cycle in your head of like beating yourself up about all of the ways that you feel like you need a nap <laughs> all the time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what happened. And it was just so refreshing to, to learn that, no, it's like, you know, this is just my design and it's okay. And it's beautiful. And it, I do need to do a lot of self-care and rejuvenating rituals and plug sometimes plug into other people's energies and that that's okay it didn't mean anything negative about me yeah and I'm glad that we share that because then when you get with other projectors you know we get each other and it's even more validation of that 
Yes, absolutely. And being able to see other people who are doing it differently and successfully. Like I remember the first time that I met another coach who was a projector and I looked at like her business model and I, I listened to her talking about like honoring her energy. And then also I was looking up to her because I was, to me, she was a representation of success. So she was modeling this new way of doing things for me. And it's like you said, literally so liberating. Cause it's like, Oh, I don't actually have to do all of these things that I really don't want to do in the way that I don't want to do them. I get to do it my way successfully. And you know, we can get a lot done in four hours mm -hmm. and, and that's pretty awesome. So yeah, so that I think that was the start, the catalyst that really got me following different coaches, you know, different modalities, and that's how I met you. So, yeah, and I love to learn about my clients' designs now. That's been really interesting and something I want to dive more into. That's super exciting. Have you noticed any themes or like connections with your clients now that you've started to bring in the human design or is there anything that you've been like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense <laughs> now. <laughs> totally. Especially like the Manny gens or the generators, like, yeah. you know, the worker bees, you know, I really do see it. It makes a lot of sense um, when I see how much they can work, especially if they're passionate about it, mm -hmm. you know, and the hours don't affect them as much as it would me. So um, yeah, and those high performers, you know, can burn the midnight oil as long as they're passionate about it and it's in alignment to their design. So, yep, a hundred percent. My partner Luke is a generator, and I when I remember when I learned that, it just I knew as soon as I met him because I was obviously a little more well versed by the time we met in human design. But I just remember being like, you're definitely a generator. I said it at the table the first time I met him because we were in like a circle talking to people and human design came up in conversation and he was like, well, what am I? And I was like, well, we'll look up your chart, but I guarantee you're a generator. Like, I can tell wow, this from the you're right. you yourself. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've seen Luke and his content and how he is. He's just like really high energy. I don't know how else to describe it. Just really like on all the time. And I remember like we had a conversation and I told him about being a projector and I described to him like the different ways that projector energy works. And he was like, Whoa, that helps me understand you so much better. So it is really this way to build deeper, more intimate connections with people and honor them even in the ways that they can't necessarily express themselves. Because I think sometimes we have a hard time articulating. Like if someone asked me, how does your energy work? Like now I have the tool of human design and I'd be able to describe it a little more. But before that, I don't really know how I would have, I would have allowed someone to honor my energy because I don't know how I would have described it to them. Yes. And I think it can get misinterpreted if we don't know it too, that we're, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of being lazy or just, you know, not wanting to work as hard. So yeah, I want to learn more about my kids' human designs, too. I think that's going to help me as a parent. I can see it really being influential in a lot of relationships. Oh, my gosh, yes, so much. Yeah, absolutely. I think about that all the time. Like, I'm just so grateful for everything I'm learning right now. I, I don't have the gift of parenthood yet, but I think about all of the things I'm learning, and I'm so grateful because they're totally tools of empowerment for better relationships in every aspect of life. So, yeah, very exciting. 
So tell me more about the discovery of your intuition recently and what kind of has been coming through for you. We've been having obviously lots of conversations about it. And for anyone who's listening, who is a splenic authority or a projector, I'm sure they're really excited to hear your personal experience because it's going to be totally unique to you. Yes. So yes, I mean, I was really, when I mentioned not really understanding what intuition really even was, and I just loved how you've helped me figure out what it is for me because it's different for everybody, you know, even with the same authorities and so I think just really understanding what that actually feels like, especially when I make decisions, I think that's when I'm aware of it a lot, mm-hmm. a lot more, I should say. And and learning to trust it and develop that almost like a muscle, like the more I listen to it, the more aware I am of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the other day, I think somebody asked me to do some sort of go to some sort of event or workshop, not until January or February. And it was just like a quick no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really honored it before I would have questioned it and went into over analysis and mm-hmm. read about it. And I just, it was like a no. Yeah. And I think kind of the harder part is trusting that. Oh my gosh. So much like, and honoring. <laughs> yeah. Like we all kind of, we all kind of have an inherent knowing of what our intuition feels like or looks like or sounds like, but honoring it because we're all so conditioned to use our analytical mind in different ways. And I really, what's kind of been the thing, the hardest thing when it comes to strengthening that trust muscle with your intuition, you kind of mentioned it. Normally you would kick into that over analysis or that analytical mind. What's your experience been about coming back to strengthening that trust muscle? Yeah, I think recently it's just been when it's a no or a yes, even if it doesn't make sense to trust and I just honor that and to really cut myself off from going back into my mind and doing the overanalyzing. And I've been getting better and better. At first, I still sort of doubted it and would still kind of analyze and maybe still come back to the no. Mm -hmm. But now recently, I've just been like, okay, it's a no. And even if it doesn't make sense, that's the other thing that's really challenging. If the no or the yes doesn't make sense, quote unquote, logically, Mm -hmm. to really just trust and honor that. And again, the more I've been doing it, it's been, I shouldn't say easier, but I've just been able to honor it and not go into that analysis, paralysis. Yes, literally paralysis. Because it just <laughs> creates like, oh my gosh, now I have absolutely no idea what to do. Like we think it's going to help yes. us. <laughs> right? You know, it's so counterintuitive because we think like, oh, if I analyze it and I break it down, then I'll for sure be confident and I'll feel certain. And then we do and we're like more confused. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I'm still rather new at it, a newbie, but I will say even in the few months that I've been learning this, I've been able to kind of just play like, okay, it's a no. Because mm-hmm. mine's so fleeting. Like it just comes so quickly. Mm-hmm. And um So that can be a challenge as well, because it does happen so quickly to honor that quick splenic response. Yes, absolutely. And you kind of mentioned that it's been so ingrained in you your whole life to really use your intellect and to weigh out the pros and cons and use your analytical mind. That 
part of your journey of strengthening that trust muscle, it sounds like it's kind of distancing that immediate analytical analysis from that initial response because your intuition is so quick. It's like you have to almost focus your awareness on like, okay, what just happened? How did that feel? Was that a yes? Was it a no? Yeah, it's kind of staying in my body versus Mm -hmm. going right back to the mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And tell me a little bit about your upbringing. Like, what do you feel like when you were growing up was kind of modeled for you when it came to decision making, when it came to really big decisions? And how did you end up being in your mind space so much when you were younger? Yeah, I think my parents did the, just a traditional, like, I do remember even the pros and the cons list and mm-hmm. like it weighing them, you know, I have the pros, but weight them, you know, which one is more significant than the other, maybe even put a number on it. So it was a very analytical process. I'm trying to think of like how I made call like which college to go to or things like that. So it was always like a weighted pros and cons list mm-hmm. that sticks out. And I think I taught my decision making too was to check in with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that was helpful. It was almost like I was needing other people to either validate what I thought or talk me out of. Like I was not relying on my own decisions. There wasn't a lot of trust. So I, I needed to check with a lot of people. Yeah. So I would call various friends or family members. Which then just led to more confusion because then I'm having all their <laughs> thoughts and opinions. and But somehow I did think it was helpful back then or that I needed to do that. Yeah, it's so interesting. I found a very similar experience where I would want to feel validated in the thing I already knew was true. Like I was like, I need to do it this way. And then I would try to almost make it make sense. Like I'd be like, well, this is what I want. How can I kind of twist it so that this is the thing that makes the most sense. Uh And then I, (laughs) and then I would talk to people about it. And it was almost like I was like trying to convince them that it was like, my idea was the good idea. And then oftentimes what happened is they confirmed my biggest fears. Like I found when I actually sought out validation or, you know, a conversation with someone else who wasn't the one making the decision rather than like confirmation of like, well, it sounds like you are, you already know. And like, go get it. You know, like you, you got this rather than that. It would oftentimes be like, well, what if this happens? Or like, are you sure? So there was a lot of like their fear projections in that conversation that then I was like, oh my gosh, did I make the right decision? Is this the right decision? And I would start to second guess what I had already previously felt confident about. Absolutely. That happened to me several times. And I also heard on a podcast, I think it was Kyle Cease. He says to pay attention to the first person you call because that's often indicative of what you really want to do. Like, because you kind of know who you go to is really indicative of what you really want. So just go with what you want. But I thought that was really interesting. Like, who's the person that I go to to have this conversation is important to look at as well. That's so insightful because it'd basically be like, who's going to say yes with me? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Who's my friend that's going to confirm what it is that I want? But to your point, but sometimes when they point out something that could go wrong or a failure, and then that's sort of a bummer. Yes, 100%. So 
when do you remember making a big decision without kind of going through that process of like calling up friends or looking for advice from family members? Like when is the first time that comes to mind of you just knowing and being like, okay, I got this. I'm trusting myself. I'm going to go for it. Two times that stick out. So I wanted to go to this for high school and all girls Catholic school that wasn't the logical choice. It wasn't the one in the neighborhood that all the girls were going to that I went to school with. I remember there, there was that knowing that came in. And I remember my mom was like, so confused by it. Like, really? Like that school that made no sense. Mm. And I ended up going there and loving it. And I still have friends from there. Um, and then I think the life coaching school, mm-hmm. you know, the podcast when she offered the training, which again was like crazy town for that time in my life. Like to, to do that. My kids were young. It was in California. It was six days. Like all the details didn't really seem logical, mm-hmm. but those two decisions really stand out. I think you touched on something so important there too, of when we are strengthening that trust muscle and we are making those big decisions, they are often literally nonsensical. Like as much as we want to be able to justify them analytically, there's not really a way to. Oftentimes it's just that knowing or it's just that feeling or it's just that sensation. And we have to be willing to say like, okay, I'm going to advocate for myself right now. And even though everyone in my life might be like, what the heck are you doing? I'm going to do this because I know that this is what's best for me. Which is tough because they're coming at it from the more logical side oftentimes. So you're having to kind of logic your way, but it's not logic. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, then it's just like, I'm just doing this because I want to. And yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So with that, when you, for example, like you'd made that decision to go to the other school that didn't necessarily make sense because it wasn't the one in the neighborhood and your mom was like, what the heck, this makes no sense. (laughs) What did you find was the way that you stood up for yourself that you were like, no, and you confirmed with her, even though she was maybe trying to convince you otherwise, or people in your life didn't understand. How did you show up for yourself and say like, no, I trust me. This is what I want. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty strong with her and just, like, really confident. I did go look at the other school, just, I think, more to appease her. And uh, But even then, like, on that tour, I again, I just knew it wasn't for me. But I think it was just being, you know, firm and confident and not in a mean way, but just like, no, this is really what I want and, you know, really, which was tough because it was a private school that had a tuition behind it I think I offered to you know find ways to work and help pay for it Um, so yeah I was just really an advocate for myself I love that I I find too like it's difficult when we need to ask for support from the ones that we care about and we're asking them to ask like give us support on something that doesn't make sense to them. So it's like, how can you like, can you just show up for me and support me and empower me in this thing that maybe doesn't make any sense to you and you can't really understand why I'm doing it. And so it's almost like we're asking for their support on something that's like they're going in blind. They're trusting our intuition and we have to really be super strong in that 
yes, this is, I know what this is meant for me and I'm just going to do this thing. And it's almost like they have to borrow that strength because we are asking them to show up without any understanding or logical sense backing that feeling. Yes. And I think I didn't waver, which was helpful too. And Mm -hmm. and I think my, you know, they could tell I was passionate about it and excited and I'm sure that helped. Yep. Um, yeah, I didn't really waver. I was like, no, this is really where I want to go. And can we make it happen? Yeah, totally. And I think too, when it comes to human design, one of the really cool things is when we show up in that strong strength and that trust of like, yes, I am doing this. This is my passion. This is my purpose. I'm following my intuition people's energy is designed to react or respond to that. Like people are designed to react or respond to that energy, to you, you showing up like fully embodied in your aura and your energetic system. Mm -hmm. And so then magic happens because like people are like, okay, yeah, I'm passionate about that too. Or like I'm with you. And then all of a sudden these magical synchronicities start to line up that you couldn't have conceived like logically we're going to happen. And I think that's one of the coolest reverberating effects of following your intuition is it doesn't make sense because we couldn't possibly fathom what was about to happen from us taking that one inspired action. Yes. I love that. And I think, yeah, cause we're so compelled and we must be really compelling when we're in that energy and the people around us just can't help but go along with it. And yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. Yeah. So I want to know now that you are like going through this evolution, how has your vision for the future changed? Like, where are you going? What's kind of the, the idea for your life? Where do you imagine your success is going to take you? Your business is going to take you. Tell me about your big vision, big dream. Oh, I love that question. It's so fun because I think before, like I had just really sort of masculine energy goals with numbers and And now like my visions are just so much more expansive. One of them being like shortening the gap between work and play, like really just like, I love what I do. I truly do. So my days really are that like, it's just, there's, you know, not a big difference between how I work and play and, and I want to just continue to grow that. Um, I really, you know, I just want to keep growing my, my money, my opulence, my intuitive opulence, and um, creating a big legacy for my daughters so that they have freedom to do what they're called to do. And I I can't wait till, you know, the pandemic is under control so I can travel more. Mm. I really miss traveling. And one of my visions is to be by the ocean or some sort of beach. So that, that really pulls me. So whether that's a second home or living somewhere near a beach would be awesome. And I'm hoping to come to Bali someday. So heck yes, please come visit me. (laughs) please. (laughs) I would love that so much. And the ocean here is amazing. It's very healing. Is it? Mm -hmm. Oh, it sounds amazing. Yeah. I love that you mentioned legacy you said legacy for your daughters. And you also said, I, that you really want them to be free to be themselves. You didn't say it that way, but that was like the, the way I perceived it It was like advocating for them to become just the best, fullest, most expressed versions of themselves, which sounds like is 
Yeah. I love that, which sounds like it's what your mission is in general with your clients, with the legacy, with your family, generationally, that's really what you're looking to do. So tell me more about that. Tell me more about how you want to help people heal, what that looks like, if people work with you, what kind of transformation they can expect to come through as that is your mission in this world. Yeah, I mean, it starts with me. Like, I really, I really want to help myself and my clients be more of who they already are. Like, I think it's so interesting that we're just on this quest mm -hmm. to just be us mm -hmm. with all of our unique, you know, flavors and talents. And I mean, I look at some of the biggest artists, you know, of our time, and there was they were the ones that were so self-expressed and unique, and Elton John and Prince, and you know, you know, they just were. No one was like them and they had full permission to be themselves or, and I don't know. That's what I hope for myself and for my daughters and all my clients just to be more of who they are and feel comfortable expressing that and exploring that and showing that to in their work, whatever that may be. Oh my gosh, you nailed it. I find we're so drawn to people, not because we're like them, but just because they're so unique. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then it gives us permission to be unique in ourselves. And I think that's really going to change, you know, the consciousness and the world is just giving ourselves permission to do that. So other people are inspired to do that. Mm. And I think that's what I missed in coaching early on is I was trying to be sort of like a carbon copy or imitate some of the coaches that I was under mm -hmm. and it wasn't me, you know, especially as a projector, maybe they were a, a manager or whatnot, but I don't want to be a carbon copy of somebody else. You know, I want to be self-expressed and inspire people to be the same mm. in their yeah. own way. Oh my gosh. Yes. Same. And I feel like for anyone listening who has a lot of open centers in their chart, like that's such a common journey to have is like, how do I find me? Because we oftentimes are such reflections of the energy of the people that we're hanging out with and like coming back to that unique legacy, that unique mission. And I love that you've done that. So if someone's as wildly obsessed with you as I am, <laughs> how can they work with you? What are some of the ways that you work with clients and some of the opportunities for transformation that you offer? Awesome. So I still love to do a lot of one-on-one -on -one work, you know, uh, so yes, they can go to my website and, you know, I'd love to have a connection call with people to make sure that we're a good fit and, or I, you know, I'm going to be launching some smaller group containers in 2021 cool. um, for business owners who want to, you know, find fulfillment and be more themselves. I love that. So if you want to check out more about Melanie, she'll have all her links in the show notes. You can go check out her website, book that connection call. Even if you just book it to get in her energy, you'll probably end up signing up with her because she's so cool and amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and her social handles will be below too. So you can go check out more of her content. And I love you so much. I think you're so incredible. I'm so Aww. grateful for you. I really appreciate you sharing some of your story and your journey and just your juju, your amazing energy on the podcast. So thank you for being here with me. And ditto. I mean, really why I signed up with you is because you expressed who you were, you know, in a post in a container that we were in together. And so it just makes perfect sense. So thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> oh my gosh, my heart's so full. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Intuits, that's all for this week, but I will catch you here on Reclaiming Purpose next week. And if you want more of this type of content, you can go check out the offers on youareintuit.com. The link is in the show notes. And for a chance to win a one-year subscription to all of our workshops and programs, go ahead and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so that we can enter you into our quarterly draw. I will talk to you guys so soon and have an amazing rest of your day wherever you are in the world.